This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast, back tonight with John LaRocca, as usual. John, I, I did a show with Doin over the weekend, and I was a little, uh, I was hoping that you were, you were going to be okay with that, being that you and I had been together for like 10 straight shows in a row. Of course, man. I love the fam- Fight Game blog pod, uh, family, so I'm glad, I'm glad we're, we're, we're keeping going with our, with our, with our podcast, and it's, it's rock and rolling. Glad that people are checking it out, and our audience keeps growing every week. So I'm pretty excited. This show with doing, if anyone hasn't heard, is up. Uh, we put it up on Monday. Recorded over the weekend. Lots of sort of 2019 uh, boxing, kind of the lay of the land. We also talked about the NXT UK show, which we won't really talk about here because it's kind of old news by now. But um, but uh, but yeah, we'll, we're going to talk about. We're going to kind of put do this show in uh, a few different segments. So we'll talk pro wrestling because there's been a decent amount of news. Um, and then uh, the UFC stuff is all, you know, it's all ESPN Plus. They got a big show this weekend. And then uh, John and I will talk a little bit about Pacquiao and Broner, though mostly because we're actually going to try to see it at the movie theater. And I want to get John's take, uh, he, you know, more of a sort of a casual fans boxing take uh, as well. So, and then at the very end, we will go through uh, Monday Night Raw episode two, which was actually a really good show. Yeah, I really enjoyed that episode. After it was over, I was like thinking, like, oh man, I can't wait to talk about it on the podcast. So, pretty excited for today's show. I can't wait to watch episode three. Jesus. Yeah, episode episode three is a a big episode for me because, uh, and I will talk about it more next week. But it's definitely a, an episode I will never forget. And I did not watch it live that night because I was somewhere else. All right. Well, we'll have to wait for that story next week. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I have a little bit of a cough. I'm trying to keep it at bay with uh, with some liquids, but uh, it it may it may rear its ugly head here or there during this show. I wish I actually had, wish I had like a cough button somewhere on this. <laughs> I, I, I think I have to upgrade a little bit on the mic to have a, a cough button. You should have took a shot of something before you put on the air and burned that off. Well, the not too far from kind of the liquid that I'm talking about, but um, <laughs> but but yeah. So so uh, first uh, the first thing actually before we even get to the pro wrestling news is you and I decided way back uh, that we were going to do the We Want Flair podcast and try to do them in person because. You know, it's kind of like, uh, which made it different from doing this. You know, we do this over Skype, though, you know, we kind of been doing this for a little while. So we, we know the ins and outs of each other when, you know, when someone wants to make a point. And the in-person one was so fun because I could literally look at you and see when you're ready to talk and then set you up and give you the space. The problem with doing it in person is we just couldn't get together enough outside of watching, you know, whatever shows we're watching. Um, And so we are going to try to do uh, a We Want Flair podcast once a month. Now, I can't promise that that happens because 
you know, John's got two young children and he's got a, he's got a family and, 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 and a wife and, and lots of stuff can sort of happen, uh, from a family perspective. And, you know, some, some of the stuff with me, I'm kind of in and out, uh, as well. Uh, and so we're going to try really hard and the first or the next one, which would be episode three will be, uh, we're going to try to do Flair versus Vader, which is interesting because it kind of ties into not really this timeline because it's going to be, you know, about 11 months from where we are today with the second episode of Monday Night Raw. But it, it sort of fits because, you know, it is the the show that, uh, you know, they, they, they it's the show is sold as, you know, Ric Flair is either going to. You know, he's either going to win the title or he's going to be done. And so it was actually kind of cool because this show that we're heading into for next episode, but the sort of the the apex of, of Raw Episode 2 is with Flair and Mr. Perfect, and Flair's challenging Mr. Perfect to this Loser Leaves Town match. So kind of dovetails nicely, so we'll do that for Episode 3. And then I know John just has a running list of, of Flair stuff that he wants to talk about, so... Um, so let's actually kick it off and uh, let's talk some pro wrestling news. So before we even get to like WWE or, or ROH or any of that stuff, <clears throat> I saw a tweet from the all pro wrestling Twitter handle, which suggested that Brian Alvarez of wrestling observer slash figure four fame is going to be at the next APW show. Like what's going on? Uh, Brian has been very curious about the Jungle Boy recently on, uh, you know, on, uh, on Wrestling Is Live, and I think the curiosity is really getting to him, so I think he wants to show up and check out the Jungle Boy Live as he defends his APW Lightweight Championship against Marcus Lewis and Jake Atlas in a three-way match in Daly City at the Bay Shore, at the Bay Shore Center. So that's going to be one hell of a match. So if you're local in the area, I definitely suggest you come out and see that show because it's, it's, it's pretty loaded. We have uh, the main event, Jacob fought to the APW Universal Heavyweight Champion, uh, defending his title against uh, Johnny Impact, John Hennigan, Johnny Mundo. <laughs> Johnny you know, Nitro. Johnny Nitro. <laughs> so that, that's going to be one hell of a match. If you haven't seen APW Action, and you should definitely check out our champion, Jacob Fatu, uh, part of the uh, Samoan Dynasty. Um, great, great talent. Great agility, speed, and power. He's uh, definitely a sight to see. And you know, once you see him once, he's a guy you'll never forget. Yeah, Fatu is amazing. I've been able to see him for the last couple of years, and it's really good to see him kind of on the, on the rise uh, to being a main eventer for APW. The, yeah, he just posted a picture that he's at the New Japan Dojo, so we'll good see for, what happens there. Good for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that is February the 1st? Uh, February 1st, yeah. Friday, February 1st in Daly City, Bayshore Center. So it uh, starts at 730 uh, like I said, the card's loaded. We have the Reno Scum coming back. Anathor still had an injury uh, to his bicep or tricep, one of the two. He's been dealing with that for a little while. And, but he's coming back uh, a little ahead of schedule, and he's ready to go. Got cleared. And him and the Luster Legend would defend titles against our good friend, Double D, Dave Dutra, and a longtime tag team partner of his, Matt Carlos. So. That's going to be a phenomenal match. And then uh, we got Taya, Taya, John Hennigan's wife. 
she's going to be facing Nicole Zavoy in a, in a great uh, women's match. So it's, it's, it's a freeloader show. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a really fun show. And then uh, Brian is going to be checking out the Jungle Boy. This is kind of, this is kind of cool. Um, all right, so um, there's been a couple of stories out there the last couple days about <clears throat> wrestlers you know, being signed, you know, we talked about this, we've been talking about this for, for weeks actually with, you know, free agency and having AEW come to the table, creating this real, uh, really great situation for talent getting signed. And the one that came out that was uh, pretty surprising to me was uh, Roosh signing with ROH and uh, he had been tied to MLW. He was supposed to be at WrestleMania weekend uh, wrestling for MLW, I think that is not happening any longer. But uh, what'd you think about Roosh and ROH? It seems kind of like a weird fit to me. But he, I know he's a he's a big star, and and they're looking for big stars to you know replace the guys that they lost. I was shocked. I just thought if they were gonna, ever going to do something like that, it would be after WrestleMania week. And I felt bad for Core, I really did, because I like MLW a lot, but. It's a tough game right now with the money that WWE has, of course, uh, the money that's behind AEW, and the money that's behind ROH. To uh, you know, MLW has contracts, but they're not as strong as as others. So, I, but I'm bummed because I know Court was really pumped to be booking this famous, you know, one of the, the top drawing program in Mexico. Rouge versus L.A. Park, and that he was uh, that was his big mini event WrestleMania weekend, and it's not going to happen. Uh, he's replaced uh, uh, Rouge with Pentagon Junior. It's a rematch for a match that happened uh, late last year, which was highly highly touted. I thought it was really good. I, I thought maybe it was a little overrated, but uh, they did have a wild wild brawl, and it'll be a good match. And if, if you like L.A. Parks style of wrestling of uh, the bruiser brody fight style i mean he's just he's he's a, he's a wild man and pentagon jr is pretty entertaining so i think they'll have a a, a good match again so but I, I think he's pretty bummed he's lost that that big big main event of his and and roosh in roh is interesting but i mean the guy's super talented has great charisma star power um how he fits in I'm curious to see. I know Roosh just came back to CMLL. He was suspended for some some reason that's unknown. <laughs> and uh, he's back. But, you know, Roosh never really pushed too much of the CMLL guys. They're kind of just like a, like a featured act, you know. So Roosh is a little different animal, I think, is someone you need to feature. So how they split that time between ROH and CMLL is going to be an interesting balance. And we'll have to see with uh, Big Dave's uh, Observer that probably comes out uh, a couple hours after we're done taping here. But I think there is a uh, – I, 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 I sort of heard that maybe he's going to be in the U.S. I don't know if he's going to be in the U.S. full time, but like maybe – I think like ROH might be his like home promotion and uh, CMLL – is not going to be his home promotion. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know how that's going to work, but that was kind of the word going around was that he was going to relocate and, and really be ROH full time, which probably means a lot of, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what other, uh, where else he could work. It seems like New, R- New R- Japan. Yeah, right, right, right. New Japan. But you know, it's for him to be in the U S full time, you know, ROH doesn't run 
that that many shows. So that was kind of that was kind of interesting. I can see this being a positive for New Japan because you know teaming him back up with uh, Naito and the Los Ingenables. Um So that'd be huge for New Japan. They say say you know say they're you know they're losing Kenny right supposedly if they don't you know they come to some kind of agreement. Um, putting him in there could add some international star power on that roster and that could definitely that that roster could definitely need a little shot in the arm like that with Roosh on there on the card so those could be some big matches singles matches coming up you know Okada versus Roosh is a big match and Tanahashi versus Roosh is a big match so mm-hmm. uh, maybe that, that's something to look forward to in 2019 so another one was uh, Shane Strickland I think most people feel he's WWE bound just because I know it was kind of a goal of his to to get there, but it does it, you know he's sort of a free agent at a really good time because you could totally see him being a really good fit for both the other companies, but uh, maybe he gets a little bit more cash from WWE out of this. Yeah, I think he's in a really really good spot now. Um, definitely, he and but if it, I wonder what he, look at the lay and land of NXT. There's so much talent there. So I wonder where like. Do you go to NXT and you're used here and there? Or, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be I'm sure he'd be featured. He should be featured because he's really good. Or does he take, like, an AEW deal maybe for, like, one year, work their shows up his value even more, then go to WWE? But we'll see. I think WWE's going to – I think that's where his spot he's going to land. But I think they're going to pay a little extra, and then and they have the money to do it. And uh, he's, a, he's a great time to invest in. I think he's – has the uh, not only just wrestling ability inside the ring, but he has a good presence about him. He has a good, he's a he's a good promo. Um, he is, he's, you know, he's a, almost a complete package of a rest, you know, a, a guy to invest in. So, uh, Shane Strickland and WWE would be fantastic. Uh, and, you know, and you know, probably the best guy for him to work with is at NXT, right? Ricochet. Ricochet, yeah, their rivals. They, they, that was the big first program in MLW that court set up. And but he can, and also Matt Riddle. Uh, there's anyone that NXT roster. I mean, Champa to to uh, Alistair Black, and the list goes on. Like you know, he could definitely have good matches with a lot of guys. And and you know, come after WrestleMania, they are going to be replenishing NXT. At least there will be some call ups. So. So, and sort of the last piece of uh, news relating to talent, I pulled this from uh, Fightful.com. They posted earlier today uh, about the revival and news that, you know, the revival's very frustrated. Uh, They want to, uh, you know, people are fearful that they want to leave. I think the problem here is unless your contract is up, like I have a really bad feeling about WWE. Like, what's in it for WWE? Like, why would they release you from your contract early only to allow you to go to this other company? So I'm kind of curious about the whole situation. And and I don't know contracts, right? I don't know when these guys' contracts are up. But, you know, them being, you know, frustrated or whatever and then asking for the release, it doesn't really say anything to me because I can't imagine WWE even allowing it to happen. True, or maybe they just asked for a release to kind of start knocking on some doors. And, hey, we're frustrated. You know, we're a pretty talented bunch. We feel that we can 
draw you some money if you put us in a good position, but you're kind of just wasting us in these, you know, doing really nothing on, on Raw and featuring, you know, doing these goofy few with the Lucha House Party. And, you know, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know. I know tag teams have never really been, in, of recently, have never really been like a big, you know, thing in the WWE, but. Well, now that anyway. Shane's going to be in a tag team, you yeah, just exactly. wait and see. Well, you know, like you know, how, you know, NXT was really, really doing well, building up these tag teams, and with you know, uh, with Gable and Jordan and and Revival, and they get called up and they just don't do anything. They don't do anything at all, you know, and 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 it's frustrating, very frustrating. So, and you know, if they, in the Revival, if they do <laughs> get the release, they have a ready-made program with the Young Bucks and AEW. It's just, it's just a natural fit. You know, yeah, exactly. And in AEW, if you're working with the Young Bucks, you're very much at the top of the card or near the top of the card. Did you yeah, hear? Uh, did you hear? I, I I don't imagine you listened to Jericho's podcast, but he he gave his entire story about leaving WWE for AEW. It was actually a really interesting uh, listen because you can sort of see what gets his 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 juices flowing like the you know the you he i feel like listening to that podcast i feel like being around the bucks being around kenny having these great matches being at the top of the card again being written up in the observer as having a five-star match it totally makes him feel young again and uh and it's just, it's just cool for him to cool to hear him because it sounded like now it could be simply the way that he you know, talked in, in, in this way, but it sounded like he was waiting for Vince all along to match his contract with AEW. Like, he, as all the stuff that he was doing, doing New Japan, you know, uh, doing All In, um, having his name out there with Tony Khan, and then still at the end of the day, I think he was waiting for Vince to like match whatever that contract price was. And it never happened. And when it didn't happen, he was like so surprised and was like, "Okay, I guess I'm doing this." Like it was pretty cool to hear. Yeah, I think he thought Vince would definitely match it, but Vince, uh, Vince is, as you know, is a different animal. So uh, I think it's cool. I think it's good um, for for wrestling for Jericho to go out to AEW, start with those guys, get them up and running. And then he, you know, he can always come back to WWE anytime. I'm sure when Vince, you know, I'm sure it'll happen again. I'm sure it's not the last time we see Jericho and WWE. But I think it's it's. I'm glad it worked out this way because uh, it just adds some a nice punch for AEW the kickoff and and at the end of the year. So I'm I'm, I'm happy about this. Think about this, okay? Because I think I think what Jericho signed is is definitely a multi-year deal. Let's say that he fulfills the contract with AEW and comes back to WWE. He will be over 50 years old. Can you believe that? I know. It's like, it's amazing how you look at the ages. Like, oh, man, I didn't know he's that old. <laughs> I you know. know. What does that say about us? We're getting older, too. <laughs> but uh, anyone, that can come, like anyone that over 50 can... You know, he can definitely go into WWE over 50, work a very limited schedule. He's a very smart wrestler, very smart worker. So 
Anyone yeah, can make, no kidding. Because you, because you could call all his spots. That's why you say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, when I meet that guy, it's gonna be interesting. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah. So uh, that was a little bit of a tangent, but I just, I just remembered that I listened to that podcast. So, uh, so yeah, I, 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 I it's gonna be interesting to me because with AEW up and running, um, WWE signed a lot. You know, I think de- most of WWE's contracts are three year deals. And so, depending on when these guys signed, like, I mean, we talked a little bit about AJ Styles already. He and uh, Gallows and Anderson, I believe, signed three-year deals almost exactly three years ago. So, I think they're coming up, and they're interesting. Uh, You know, I I, I sort of expect AJ to stay with WWE, but, you know, I'm sure Vince will now have to pay him a little bit more than he thought he was going to have to pay him to to re-up, but... I would love to see Gallows and Anderson with AEW. I think they'd be really good fits. And, you know, if if they ever get back into uh, into good graces with New Japan, like those guys are like mainstays in New Japan, you know? Yeah, that, that could be a good deal for them too. But also, you know, for, say for example, for a Carl, you know, he has like four or five kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the WWE contract is is not going anywhere. You know what I mean? It's, he's, it's, it's a solid contract. Uh, you don't have to worry about WWE not surviving. You know they're definitely in it for a while, so there's a security there. So AEW, but if you're if you're like hungry, if you're that just that just that has that that part of you that's hungry to be involved on the top of the card, and you want to be, you know, in the mix, and you know, then th- that'd be a good option for those guys to go AEW because you know for the fact that they're going to be. They're going to be feuding with the Young Bucks, and we know because of the Young Bucks being the executive producers and in charge of booking the tag teams, uh, it's going to be a featured division in AEW. So, I mean, if you're a tag team going to AEW, you're you're, you're definitely in a, in a good, good place. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the UFC. They are running their big show this weekend. The first show on ESPN, which is pretty monumental for them, I'm a little worried because mo- the, the, the success of this show depends heavily on the ESPN Plus app, which is their streaming device or their streaming app. So <clears throat> it's a little weird because the, uh, the, the, the fights that are like the old, you know, like the fight pass fights, that those start on the app, and then the prelims go for two hours on ESPN, and then you got to go back to the app for the top six fights or the main the main six fights on the show. They're not doing fight pass. I don't think they're doing fight pass for this one, unless the ESPN Plus and the fight pass matches are. Are the same. I'm sure it'll all. I'm sure Dave will have it all laid out in the Observer. I'm, I'm still kind of confused about this. My issue with this is so okay. I'm thinking with sort of my marketing background head. I didn't. I never worked in TV, so this may be way off. But I'm thinking if I was doing this, the very first show that I did, I would do it directly on ESPN. And exactly. go and go. Here's yes. Here here's our UFC product. Next week, you could see this 
type of show, but you have to pay for the $6 for the app. And that show that I'm doing would continually pump the ESPN app because I don't I don't know how many UFC fans know that they're going to have to buy this app in order to see the main card. I wonder if they tune in to ESPN, they see these these fights. I'm sure they're going to be pumping the app during these fights, so it, that'll be good too. But then when the main card comes, they're going to tune to ESPN and go, huh, how come it's not on? And then they're just not going to watch. And I worry that there's not a lot, there's not enough uh, visibility into what you actually have to do to watch this main show. So I sort of think like they kind of did it in reverse of the way that at least makes sense to me. But I'm, you know, these guys are really smart. They're, they're, you know, the ESPN Plus app supposedly is very successful already. So I'm sure there is a method behind the madness. But I think every time I think of the audience for this stuff, I think of my dad and I think, okay. How would my dad figure this out? Well, he would call me or he would call my brother-in-law <laughs> and say, what's going on with this thing? And we'd sort of set it up for him. But any sort of thing where, you know, maybe it doesn't work the first time or the second time, he would get really frustrated and he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm just not going to watch. And I wonder how many people are like that. I would assume that, you know, sort of that over... 50 crowd or whatever who didn't sort of grow up with media the same way that we did and and really we are kind of a, like we're, we're we we are very knowledgeable about this stuff but it's really the generation under us who's like prime candidate for these streaming apps and stuff but uh but i really wonder like are are enough people going to understand that this is how you have to do this uh for to watch this show and uh, and I, I hope so because I think it's uh, I, I want to see them do well on ESPN and I want to see ESPN cover them strongly. But I also you know I kind of want to see ESPN cover them fairly too, which I kind of have maybe may, may not happen. But um, what what are your thoughts about the way that they're doing this whole thing? And is this gonna is this gonna inspire you to purchase a subscription to ESPN Plus? I've been debating it. I'm really into, I really want to see that fight between. Uh... Henry Cejudo and DJ Dillashaw. I'm really, I'm really curious about their fight, so I'm debating about doing it. But, but it's funny how you're talking about your dad, right? Like this, you get that scenario. I literally had this conversation with a coworker who is a casual fight watcher. He's not a hardcore fight watcher. Like he, like 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 it's like I told you earlier off off the phone that that you know he went to Wilder and Fury at the theater and. And so he's like, yeah, I'm going to watch the USC on ESPN this weekend. He's all the fight looks good. I'm like, oh, you got the, you got the app. You got ESPN Plus. He's like, what's that? <laughs> and I go, though, that's all the main, that's all the main cards going to be on ESPN Plus. Like, it's like their pain, their, their pain app. He's like, oh, no, really? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, man. I'm like, well, they can watch the prelims, but after that, you, you, know, you have to pay for it. And he's like, oh, that sucked. And he's like, ah, I'm not getting it. Like, he was like that. <laughs> and he's, again, he's over 50, you know, like he's, like, I'm not going to do that, you know? And, and like, so yeah, I mean like, like that, that, that you know, but that's that the really target audience, you know, it's like, they really want the young kids, right. The, the, the young demographic to buy this app. And that's the one they, they feel that's going to be really going to be investing in it. Right. I'm curious. To know the demographics of people who – I'm sure it's mostly younger people who sign up for the streaming apps, right? Well, well, I would well, think so. Well, I, th I think there's a mix. I think 
our generation is willing to pay for this stuff, right? Uh-huh. I think the generation, like my kids' generation, I think they're very willing to find different ways to get this content. <laughs> very true. Yes, I and and can't so all the stuff that goes on, <laughs> and so. That's that's the worry for me is if you're if you are going to market to people who very much have grown up in this uh, in this generation of apps and streaming and, you know, devices, you know, Apple TV, Amazon Fire Stick, uh, Roku, all that stuff. I do think it's our generation who will pay for it because, you know, now we are in stages of our life where, you know, we're doing OK and we can afford it Um but I worry about the generation below us because I don't think that they are very willing to pay for it. And the generation above us, I think they're going to get frustrated and they're not really going to understand how to do it. So this, I mean, this is a, this is a great, uh, I'm, I'm all about sort of, uh, you know, creating tests in a sense. And this is a big test because your, your ESPN is like, look, we're, we're in it for the long haul. We, we want people to join this, this, this app that's a big reason why we paid so much money for the UFC is to grow the subscription base. So I'm all, I'm all for it. I just wonder if this first show doing it the way that they did it is the best way to, uh, to sort of teach their fan base, but maybe it is, maybe this is the way that, that you do it and, and they will get, they will get the subscriber numbers. So other than uh, Cejudo and Dillashaw, which I'm still kind of 50, 50 on this fight. I don't know who to pick, because if if this was at one if this was at uh at TJ's weight class I would totally pick TJ cuz I think I think his style um at that weight class uh you know would would be too much for Cejudo but at Cejudo's weight class I sort of wonder what kind of TJ we're going to get and and I'm I I'm I'm sort of I, not even sort of. I'm fifty-fifty on this thing. I, I, I'm going to do most of my research uh, in a couple days to kind of decide. But man, I'm not sure who to pick in this fight. I went with TJ just because every time I voted against him, he's always won. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to go with TJ on this one. And uh, I think he's, uh, I think he's a better boxer. I think if he can keep it on his feet. Um, I think he can pull it out. I'm curious to see the weight cuts for TJ and Cejudo. Um, it's a tough weight cut, I think, for Cejudo. Still, you know, he's had his trouble in the past, but we'll see how that goes. But TJ seems pretty confident that he's going to be on weight and feel good. And um, I'm going with TJ. We've talked about on past episodes of this show about the Greg Hardy fight. He faces Alan Crowder. It's from what I ima- from what I gather, it's second from the top. So you have you have Greg yeah. Hardy in the co-main event in his very first UFC show, uh, all based on on this idea that he was a former football player who abused a woman. That that <laughs> that's literally the marketing, right? Like like I mean, you don't out and out say it, but that's what he's known as is a former football player who got who is out of the NFL because he abused a woman. That's not the full reason why he's out of the NFL. He, he also his skill set, you know, the risk reward wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't there for the, for some teams because his skills degraded. But that's amazing to me. Um, and then uh, you know the other fight that was really highly talked about is Rachel Ostovich, who uh, you know was in her own domestic abuse situation and 
seemingly is probably not even 100 uh, percent, but cannot pass up this opportunity because she gets to go up against uh, Paige Van Zandt. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to open up the show with that fight. They might. But uh, but uh, also there's a Glover Teixeira fight that uh, in, in the order that the UFC has this card right now is opening the show but yeah you know it's built around uh, a little bit around um this great main event but i almost feel like the sort of the gossip uh stuff around this card is is really what the main event is um and and you know whatever you think of all of that stuff it will get attention and and that's kind of part of the sports entertainment aspect of this right is it's not just sport it's sport inter- sports entertainment and and that and you also play to the marketing of that stuff so i'm i'm intrigued just like you but i'm more intrigued you know the main event's going to be good i think some of the fights are interesting uh we get to see Joseph Benavides fight which would be cool but more the thing that i'm going to be looking for and the thing that i'm going to be like just kind of analyzing as I'm watching is the just the um, the production and how are they going to like is this going to be UFC on Fox with the ESPN graphics because if that if it is that I'm going to be really disappointed. Yeah, me too. I sure hope they up their production beyond ESPN. I just want to see something different. You know, it's it's a new. It's a new time. It's like do something different. I'm like, it's like, like we all got excited when they actually did the lights before the main event and <laughs> for the intros because that was something finally different. I mean, that's one thing. One of the complaints from uh, I remember all the complaints I'd get from my friends during the wrestling business are not in MMA. Is like it all looks the same. It all looks the same. And they're right though. They're right. Like their entrances look the same. The graphics are the same. It's it's it's. It's nice when they would up a production value a little bit. It was cool to see the yellow mat in UFC 200. You know, give me give me a different look. You know, and I think they should do that for ESPN, for ESPN Plus. Yeah, that they should do something different. And I want to see now the entrances and all that stuff. It's the, I mean, UFC historically has very rarely changed from what they usually do. I would love to see a little bit of a different way for ESPN to host the show in a sense. Like, um, I know they have their announced teams. I would like to see, like on Fox, you saw the uh, the desk. They had the guys at the desk. And that that's pretty cool, but that's a Fox thing, right? That's a Fox football thing. I would love to see uh, a little bit of interplay with whoever they have on that telecast and the announcers, whoever they have on that telecast, you know, maybe and some fighters. I would like to see a little bit more interplay uh, and maybe um, just uh, just just a little bit of, I guess, just different differentiating from what we know or what we're used to. Because what happens is is I I, I don't really care about that stuff and then I tune out and I and then I come back when when I know the fights are going to happen and I would rather be intrigued about okay what's you know what's new or, or give give me a rundown of of who I'm about to see and why is this important um, you're gonna you have a little bit more of a casual audience so I think you're gonna have to do a little bit of education maybe even more so than Fox. And uh, I, w- I want to see, you know, I want to see video packages. I want to see why is Rachel Ostovich and why is Paige Van Zandt, why are they interesting? 
what is it about them? You know, Rachel came from tough and she weighed in in her lingerie. That's going to catch my eye for sure. Cause I'm a dude, but you know, what else, what is it? She's a mom, you know, uh, Paige Van Zant. Uh, she just got dropped by Reebok. Like she's, uh, she was sort of the face of, of that brand for a little bit for the UFC. Like there's like so, so many angles and I, I just want to learn things. Like I, I feel like when I first started watching the UFC, as uh, you know in the early stages it was not that big of a deal but i felt like i learned so much just from listening and i think now i just see it as talking heads and i tune out and i would like to not tune out anymore because i want to i want to get into this thing you know yeah yeah let's see a little more personality profiles again like yeah no you know yeah the hardcore no a dustin ortiz and a joseph benavides but you know the casual fan uh that doesn't watch the stuff who's tuning in because it's on espn now like educate them on these guys and gals definitely like i just one of my favorite things about the pro fight league i just watched on uh new year's eve that really i mean i didn't know a lot of these fighters so i knew from their, their former usc fighters but for most of them i didn't know and like just the um the the personal personality profiles before their fights alone got really really invested in into the fight so i want to see that that wants to stay incorporated you're right that that should definitely happen on this show i want to see the you know, show page and why she's so lovable not just because she's such a, a gorgeous girl like she's she's gorgeous but like like she has like a fun like bubbly like personality like you know like show that and, and show rachel's story show her you know i want to i know you touch on what happened and touch on like hey she's going in there and fighting and you know, and all and that. How and, sympathetic of a baby face would she yeah. be if the audience knew that? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. You'll know, talk about that stuff. Um, Greg Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they should talk about it, but uh, you know, I don't know. But uh, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting card. Cerrone's on the prelim main event, right? He's fighting on the prelim main event. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. So that's a good fight for. That's a good something for the. The, the 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 audience at home, but um, yeah, I mean, it looks like a good, looks a good fight. Dustin Ortiz or Joseph Vida is, is should be a hell of a fight. That that was a tough one to pick. That was a tough one to pick because Ortiz is really good, but you know, I had to go with the, the, the reliable, right? Joseph Benavidez is that one. But, uh, I'm curious about the show, definitely. I mean, it's, it's it's getting to me. It's getting to me. I'm thinking about. It. I'm thinking about it. Getting the ESPN Plus, but we'll see. So the other thing that's going to happen on Saturday night is uh, Manny Pacquiao and Adrian Broner, which is a pretty interesting fight because uh, Manny Pacquiao, who had, you know, historically been on a run with Bob Arum's top rank, he is now with uh, Premier Boxing Champions. And this is a different thing for him in the way that he's marketed. Uh, He's under a different brand now. Um, there's the, uh, they work with Showtime. So, you know, Manny was, uh, with top ranked, it was mostly HBO stuff, but it's, uh, it's a little bit of a, it's a little, it's a little bit of a different platform for him. And he's fighting a guy, Adrian Broner, who was always, you know, sort of the, uh, the, I, I guess the guy who many people thought could be 
the next big thing, but also we're a little bit worried about sort of his lifestyle and his willingness to to work as hard as as he possibly could to be the best. And so there's this real contrast of of styles with both guys. Manny is just this like you know he he works in the government. He uh, is the hometown, the the country, the entire country of the Philippines. Like he's such a hero, and and uh, he you know the biggest name, one of the biggest names out there still today in boxing. And he just turned forty. And Broner is kind of like you know what, like I I need to get I need to put my my stamp on this fight because if Broner beats Pacquiao, he 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 doesn't necessarily. I don't know if he makes himself, but. He definitely levels up, and 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 uh, it, it will be the biggest win of his career by far. The promotion of this fight has been fun. I, I like the I like the contrast, and if you watch uh, any of the Showtime All Access stuff, they really hit the contrast very hard. Dude, the guys are just so different, and I, I'm back. I'm in. You know, like I I wondered if Pacquiao would get back to what he was, and and he's not there. But maybe he's 85%, and is 85% enough to beat Adrian Broner? I think so. I think Pacquiao's going to win this fight. But, you know, Broner looks like he's really taking it seriously, and he looks in great shape. Uh, and, and so now I'm intrigued. As someone who's kind of, you know, in and out on boxing, and, and you, you, I, I know you pay attention to the, to the big stuff, uh, you were really interested in Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury because of the way they marketed that fight. What are your thoughts on, on this one, and, and what it, how does it feel like from like a... Uh, does it feel big? Does it feel kind of middle ground? How do you feel the promotion has been so far? Uh, does it feel as big? Just because I know the eight, yo, Pacquiao's older, I know Broner... I remember Broner when I was into boxing when he was coming up, like being this hot talent that's coming up and it's going to be the future of boxing. He kind of never really reached that level that people, a lot of people expected of him. So, but I'm just excited to go watch this in the movie theater on the big screen. I'm more excited about that aspect of it than, you know, than the fight. So I think it's going to be a fun fight. I, you know, I like boxing. I enjoy the, the, the pageantry of boxing. I think they, they, I love all the people in the ring. I love all the people like the, I like the entourages. I like I like the just the, the entrances on a, on a big on a big fight. So I, I want I'm looking forward to seeing that, and I'm looking for a great night out. The uh, the movie theater aspect is actually pretty cool because there I think it's a good guide to see what the uh, what the casual fan base is, is like because this is a $75 pay-per-view and I think I talked about this on the um you see the show with you or the show with Doolin and and look if you want to hear uh more of like a boxing insider's uh, description of of all the stuff that's happening with this fight listen to the show that I did with Doolin uh that we put out on Monday cuz Doolin is like a He's a boxing hardcore genius, and we talked a lot about, you know, a lot about that, and also about, you know, Freddie Roach being back in Manny Pacquiao's corner, which we didn't really know the story, but on the All Access, they told the story, and I think Manny knows that he needs Freddie, and uh, and Freddie is, uh, I think Freddie has learned to kind of pull back a little bit on how uh, opinionated he is with Manny about certain things, but... Um, I'm interested to see what that crowd is like because we're going to a theater and I don't know how many seats are in a movie theater, a hundred or 200 or whatever, but 
when I saw Canelo versus Amir Khan, I would say that it was probably like 60% full. And you said that you had a friend who went to see Wilder and Fury, and it was like empty. So I, I'm trying to sort of figure out uh, the how big this is. But Wilder and Fury did about 300,000 buys, maybe 350,000. That Canelo and Amir Khan fight, I think, did like 600 or 700. So maybe that sort of fits. But uh, but yeah, but I don't know. I, uh, that's the part I'm also interested to check out. Yeah, that's good. If anyone hasn't seen like a fight or a UFC show at the theater, it's just a lot of fun. Um, I thought when I, I saw a UFC show in the theater, I took uh, my wife Katrina, dragged her with me, and I saw uh, we saw the uh, GSP Johnny Hendricks fight. And um, God, that was a great was, one. Yeah, it was a great show, and I thought I was wondering like how the crowd was going to be, like yelling, screaming, like they were, but they wasn't like obnoxious or anything silly. So that. That was really cool. So I'm like, I'll probably do this again. And then I was bummed I couldn't make Wilder and Fury. I really wanted to go see that that fight in the theater. So, like, when this opportunity came up, and you, I remember you told me, like, I think it's in the theater. I was like, let's go. Let's do it. Let's go check it out. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for this Saturday. Um, I'm going to interrupt. And we're, we're pretty much done with the Pack Broner stuff, and we're going to get to uh, Robson, too. But uh, – I was just uh, notified on Instagram. No, I'm sorry, not Instagram, but on Twitter. So uh, uh, my buddy Ben Miller, who is a big <laughs> wrestling fan, and he's he, you know he's a couple years younger than me, but you know he's he he's been watching wrestling for a long, long time. He is a uh, a polarizing Twitter follow to say the least. He's a polarizing social media follow to say the least. But I, I dig him because I think he's a really smart guy. So just uh, just a few minutes ago, and if you want to check out Ben, he's uh, at Ben Miller SB. So he tweets, as a longtime wrestling fan, uh, I, I'm assuming I, I got like a, there, uh, this is probably in the middle of a few different tweets, but he said, as a longtime <laughs> wrestling fan, that's why today's product completely sucks. No good interviews. When's the last time a wrestler's interview got you hyped? It's been years. You'll see Kenny Omega uh, do some interesting stuff, but it's all, I'm going to have a great match. Who cares? I want character, suspense, stakes, rivalry. You know, the stuff that's drawn money for thousands of years. So I don't know why he tagged Kenny Omega, but Kenny Omega comes back and goes, (laughs) you've clearly never watched a single one of my performances. A shame. They come highly recommended. Oh, my God. I died. (laughs) Can you imagine, like, like think about this, right? <clears throat> you know, you and I have had opinions on wrestling from the day we started watching. Like, the probably the first time you ever watched a wrestling match, you were like, you know, gosh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think of a guy, you know, Oz, like, what? what uh, why is he so stiff in the ring? You know, something like that. Can you imagine? <laughs> you know, can you imagine being able to then tweet? at Oz and go, dude, like, why are you so bad? Like, and now today, in today's day and age, you tag people and they reply to you. Like, Kenny Omega replying to Ben's criticism of wrestling promos just cracked me up. Ben Miller, man. He is polarizing. I like Ben. He's, he's a funny guy. He's a good guy. And that's that's great. They got Omega to respond to his tweet. But come on, Omega, why are you responding to like that? Like, don't be so defensive. <laughs> It was amazing. I love it. Yeah, it is weird now, right? Like, like, like Ric Flair would never respond. Like, you know what I mean? God, I've been like, trying to get Ric Flair to respond for years. 
No, but he wouldn't because that's Ric Flair. Yeah, Ric Flair will respond. Come on. Come on. Uh, okay, but I did get Austin to respond one time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, Austin's, yeah. I forgot even, I forgot. Ric Flair, bro. I even forgot why Austin responded to me, but I did get him to respond once. Never got The Rock to respond. Um, I got Sinbad to respond one time, so hey. Sinbad? Yeah. That's the best one of all. Dude, I was watching his. Uh, he was doing some. Sta- he was like, he was doing some stand up. I'm like, damn, I see Simon forever. And like, he was hosting a sit like, like a bunch of comedians, but he was the main host, right? And I, <laughs> I just wrote, to- I just tweeted out and tagged him. I said, "I'm a Sinbad, never ages." And then he responded back, "I age consistently." <laughs> <laughs> it was the best. Sin- Sinbad, <coughs> excuse me. Sinbad was on a. Uh, there's a new show with uh, the actor Lil Rel. You know Lil Rel. No. <laughs> Lil Rel's a comedian. He was in uh the Uncle Drew movie. So that he's 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 like the guy in the Uncle Drew movie who's putting together this basketball team and Tiffany Haddish is his sister who's uh who who wants to see him fail. And uh so he's got this TV show and I didn't watch it, but it was on in the gym and I turned to look and I, I saw it was Lil Rel's show and I was like what the hell is Sinbad doing on Lil Rel's show? So I guess Sinbad's, maybe he's a recurring character or maybe he was just doing Good. a guest spot. But Sinbad, do you know, do you remember watching the Sinbad show? Yes, I was I was into Sinbad. I, I thought he was, and like, remember in the 90s, like he just like showed up everywhere. Like some random movie here, Sinbad, like some of these be a minor character just popping in. Like he was all over the place all of a sudden. And that's when I was like, chocolate. I hadn't seen him for a long time. And that's when I sent that tweet out there, and I just died laughing when he <laughs> when uh, he responded. You know? so, do you know who was the son in that show, that Sinbad show? God, it's been a while. No, remind me. None other than Ray J of the Kim Kardashian sex tape fame. My goodness, God bless him. <laughs> Ray J. <laughs> Amazing. Ray J. What yep. a life. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite jokes ever was uh, Chris Rock was at the Nickelodeon Awards. <laughs> and, and he was announcing, like, uh, you know, best, uh, you know, best children's show. Like, not children's, but, you know, Hannah Montana, iCarly, and, and those kind of shows. So there's, like, four nominees for, like, best show. And he was like, here are the four shows for best teen show. And it was like, Hannah Montana i carly for the love of ray j but then he was like just kidding <laughs> oh i died laughing was he invited back next year <laughs> i don't know they probably should have slimed him for that one though. was that the one where john cena replaced him <laughs> uh all right enough silliness um uh <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about raw yeah now last week if, if you didn't hear last week's show i would you know go back and listen to it because we did like the longest review and it wasn't even long. It was just thorough because there was so much stuff surrounding that inaugural show. Um, you know, I was reading observers and, and kind of digging in and, and just lots of stuff uh, about that show. And, and, you know, we, we both sort of surmised, surmised like this was kind of like, a it should have been like a test show, but they went live with it. I feel like, they learned so many things for episode two. Like episode two was not perfect 
even though Mr. Perfect is heavily involved in this show. But it was such a good, tight one hour. And I think it starts because Rob Bartlett is turned down so much. Big time. Big time. He says one joke like early on when they're just shooting to the desk. This is after the beginning and Macho Man's kind of all riled up about Reaper Man. And like Rob Bar, I forget the joke, but it was like, you, I mean, Vince's face is classic. He's just like, look, like looks, to the, gives him that side eye, <laughs> and goes, okay, like he just kind of like blows <laughs> him off. The one time he pops Vince, is he uses the old line, and nobody who is younger than maybe, 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 maybe if you're in your thirties, you know this joke, but Rob Bartlett uses the "I've fallen and I can't get up" joke. And Vince no. pops. Like, Vince actually pops. Like, it was a legitimate laugh. But that's the... I think that's the only time that, that Vince... Laughed. But, you know, I like the idea that you have this comedian. You know, we talked about the Dennis Miller comparison from when Monday Night Football tried to do it. Like, it, it is a great idea. But if you had a comedian who understood the product... And who followed the product enough to where they didn't seem out of place on stuff. I think it could work. The problem is, is just that Rob Bartlett doesn't know anything about wrestling. And uh, and it shows. And, and when he tries to make a joke, it is often not even really related to what's going on in the ring. And, and thus it's like crickets. And, and, uh, and so this episode, like they just really dialed him back. Like um, the beginning of the show starts... And he's got a picture of Bobby Heenan. Like, could could they have like a little bit bigger picture? It was like a wallet sized photo of Bobby Heenan. Oh, I think it was the uh, the trading card, wasn't it? Oh, is that what it was? I think it was. Yeah. I'm like, God, I, I like had to squint to see what it was, and it's just a picture of Bobby Heenan. And he just rips it in half, and you know, it's kind of like him saying, like, you know, this is I'm on the show, not you, Heenan. And then immediately, Ma, poor Mach, Macho Man is just like in the in, you know in the stand up doing the intro. And gets attacked, hat flies off. You get to see his terrible, you know, his terrible hair and his bald, his balding hair, and uh, and Repo Man attacks him and steals his hat, and that's kind of like an ongoing storyline. But it is nicely not not that that's necessarily a match that I ever want to see, or you know, a feud that I thought would ever be a big deal. But they lead, you know, they they do sort of it's a sort of a whole show storyline that leads into what they're hyping for uh, the next show that they'll actually get in the ring. And, and Macho Man's actually, near the end of the show, he's really fired up. He's he he's doing a great job to be pissed off the Rebo Man. So it's kind of like, uh, it was a little bit of a, like a shock start to the show. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you can't do it every show, but every once in a while you have to do something like that. And it was great. I, I mean, bam, from the back. It's a great shot by a Repo, by Repo Man. And... Savage goes down. And by the way, I don't know if you got the 1993 memo, but we should be talking about Randy Savage's uh, ball spot. Uh, <laughs> WWE memo for 1993. Um, and this probably like when this happened, I'm like, man, this might be the only thing that Rebrand's ever done in it with this with this character in the WWE, right? Like, I don't remember anything else he really did other than had like a really cool theme song, but. But yeah, there's a whole long show storyline. I mean, Savage is pumped up because like Savage don't want to be behind that desk, man. Savage wants to wrestle and be involved and be a main player. So, oh yeah, he's working hard to sell this match for next week. And so that leads us into the first match. And I complete. I didn't even. I don't even remember Terry Taylor in WWF 
as not the Red Rooster. He's, you don't remember Terrific Terry Taylor coming back? I and, don't remember Terrific Terry Taylor. I remember that. I remember when he came back and it was Terrific Terry Taylor. I'm like, I can't believe he went back there. That's, that's, that's my first thought. And uh, it is interesting. It didn't last that long from what I remember. Yeah, I was about to ask you, how long was how long did this stint last? <sighs> well, because he ends up back in WCW. Yeah. In October '93, because he's becomes the, he's a special guest referee for Flair versus Rick Rude at Halloween Havoc '93. Okay, and I think that's when he kind of transitions to like on the booking committee or producer role or something. I know he still wrestles in '94 here and there, but he was not like a full time or featured or anything. But um, but yeah, yeah. So so he didn't last. That long because he was in WCW. I'm trying to remember when he left WCW. It must have been late '92, and um, he was in the Royal Rumble '93. He shows up there, and then that's the only thing he really did. And they're that run. And he, like I said, I think he, went, he goes back to WCW, and that's when he ends up starting to go in that role of uh, producing, booking, and 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 all that. He's really good in this match. Yeah, he's great. Terry Taylor is a great wrestler. I remember, man, a long time ago, Tom Caster and I, on one of our many shows we did together, going to, we were at this show in fuck, fucking Antioch. <laughs> Sorry, people, Antioch was in <laughs> fucking town. Um, and there's a company called Brawls, and it's a short lived company. It's, I think it's a brick luxury. And, did it and some other people, um, local indies in that area. And this one guy's telling me he's talking about Terry Taylor. We're talking about Mid South Wrestling, right? He's like, Yeah, I was watching Mid South Wrestling, and Terry Taylor's really good. I thought he was a shit, but he's really good. And I'm like, All right, I don't want to talk about your wrestling with you anymore. <laughs> you don't know anything about wrestling. So I kind of just like blew out the conversation after that. And I remember a top caster I talked about, like, the guy, how does he not know that freaking Terry Taylor's good, right? But he's really good, and that was a good match with Mister Perfect. That opener, that was really good. It was I a, love, it, it was a great match. match, and I think uh, people will remember the one that they'll remember more is the one from SummerSlam, like several years prior, when he yeah. was the Red Rooster, and that's a little bit more of like kind of like a squash match. This match is, I mean, it it's to sort of set up, you know, uh, Mr. Perfect's about to go on a uh, on a run here. He's not that far removed. It's only been not even a month and a half from him returning after being out for so long because of that that injury. Uh and then, you know, when Hogan, I'm sorry, not Hogan, when Warrior gets fired, uh and then they have Perfect turn to be Macho Man's partner for that SummerSlam match against uh Razor Ramon and Ric Flair. You know that's only like a month and a half prior to to this to this match. So um, I don't know how many matches he had in between, but really it's kind of like to get perfect geared up for the the flare match. And I really like this match. You see the uh, Terry Taylor busts out uh, the the spine buster. He busts mm-hmm. out like a gut wrench power bomb. Like I was like, man, Terry Taylor, get go. Go go ahead with your well, bad he, self. He didn't do the spine buster in WCW because that was Arn's move, but he did do the uh, Doctor Bomb, the side gut wrench, a power bomb in WCW. Mm-hmm. I remember loving that move every time he'd do it. He'd always like put it in a match, and of course the classic 
Terry Taylor chin breaker. Right? <laughs> that makes an appearance, of course. Uh, it's just a really good, solid, solid wrestling match. It's awkward to me to see fist, baby face fist puffing Mr. Perfect. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, just, it doesn't really feel natural. I mean, he's just a natural heel. So, but it was uh, it was good, and Flair came out. Um, that Terry Taylor did a good job of drawing the referee away for so they wouldn't see the interference from Ric Flair. But yeah, yeah, I, I love this match. It's definitely my type of match. Uh, and you mentioned Flair. Flair gets involved. Perfect still uh, still wins the match, um, but just really really good stuff. And yeah, sir. Oh, circle back. You mentioned the Perfect and Red. Terry Taylor wrestled when he was a Red Rooster at SummerSlam 89. Um, I believe you said a squash match, but I believe it was supposed to go longer. Terry Taylor ended up hitting his knee, and that's why they had to go home early. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So the uh, the <clears throat> last week we mentioned how how can you kind of do the first Raw ever and not have the champ on? They have the champ. They have Bret Hart does an interview. Now, actually, his first appearance is like – a segment prior he's in like an ico pro commercial <laughs> and Dude. then they, and then they do the interview uh and i uh, i don't know i'm like kind of underwhelmed like i didn't really uh, you know he, he's pushing the match with razor uh he's gonna have they're, they're gonna do that match uh you know at at royal rumble which is the uh the sun the next sunday but kind of underwhelmed with Brett. I know they're they're pushing Brett hard. They're they're putting him on Regis and Kathy Lee um, uh, before the, the the Royal Rumble. So he's definitely like the face of the company, and he's out there, you know, with the title and and pushing it. But I don't know, just kind of like a little underwhelmed with Brett in this interview. I think he's also still in the process of learning to be the guy, right? Yeah, he he just won the belt in October, like what October twelfth of ninety two or something like that. So, so you know, I mean, the month champion for like three months. So I think he's still finding his way to what he becomes. You know, and a year later, you know, I thought it was a good promo. I mean, it was a great promo. I think it did its job. He said his bullet points well and got over what they wanted to get over. And you know, I think Brett's kind of a guy that can do like a just a sub part, like just a good promo is still be captivating because he just has that coolness about him. Like that's, that's what I get that. That's what I really got from that interview. Like just reminding the coolness of Bret Hart. Just how he was such a cool guy that I remember like, um, well, funny story, but it's more of a Tom Caster story. He was telling me that when he was a kid, his dad took him to go see, uh, WWF at the event center. And it was like, uh, it was like a, a B show. And the head, the main event was Mr. Perfect and Bruce P cake. But there was the same main event was the hard foundation versus demolition. And his dad wasn't really, you know, he's taking his son to go watch wrestling. He's not really into it. Right. But he's just there to take his kid. And his dad tells him, I never forget the story that Tom told me. His dad goes, you know what? That guy, Bret Hart, he's that guy's something, mm. you know, in 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 1989, so that's just a, just a tag guy that you know wasn't really featured as highly at the time. But so like he always had something about him. I mean, was, I mean, I don't, what you thought of Brett when he was a kid watching Heart Foundation? I always thought he was just the coolest. So I I liked Brett. I think uh, in his first Intercontinental Championship run, actually no, I, I would say probably his second. Well, in in between, I thought he was awesome. Like I even like that version of Brett 
more than uh, than some of his WWE title runs. I, I just thought that was the perfect version of Bret Hart. Yeah, that, that I mean, that was cool when they went with him as the as the IC champ and went singles with him and and he took the ball and he ran with it, man. Talk about talk about talk about an investment because he was there for a long time and then then he went. And they decided to go that way with him, and that's, that's that was that was really cool. And, and I know we're talking a lot about Mr. Perfect, but part of that, right? Part of part of Brett is beating Perfect at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Like that was such oh. a big that was such a big moment, such a great match. It's probably one of my all time favorite WWF matches of all time. If I had to make a list of your top ten or 20, you know, 20 matches, that that match is definitely on there. You know that match is. I mean, to this day, he's still fantastic. And oh, yeah. You put that on now, and it still holds up. And, and, and Perfect's back is jacked up, and, and he's just rash. gutting the whole thing out. It's just amazing performance. Ugh. Yeah, I'll definitely save that show, because that show sucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, the next match is Marty Jannetty against Glenn Ruth. And I'm going to ask you this question. Is this the same Glenn Ruth who becomes a headbanger Three years later, or whatever it is. Yeah. Yes, sir. Glenn Ruth for the Headbangers. Almost un- like you can't even tell. How do how do you even tell it's the same guy? Well, here he is with the with, with some hair and, and tie dye shorts. He's just a generic uh, generic wrestler. But you know, he's in that. We'll see a lot of these guys that we remember from um, that went on to other things, but like ECW whatnot. Because you know they're in what New York, so they're using a lot of indie talent that um in the area for like you know who worked for promoter dennis carluzzo so mm-hmm. uh you know the you know he was what the spider or something like that i think on the indies and and stuff so that's where jim Cornette saw him on those carluzzo shows and put them together with and made him the headbangers and uh so yeah no it was cool and they got they got a lot of time they got a lot of time so there's this one spot and you tell me if i'm like you tell me if this was just great wrestling, but um, Ruth runs into the corner and Marty just drills him with what looks like an elbow right to the collarbone. I thought I was like, oh, man, that looked rough, but it could have been just great, like pro wrestling. Did do you remember this spot? Uh, this doesn't really stand out, but I didn't remember seeing anything big like that. I mean, it, it was probably just solid because he, he looked fine through the whole shit, through the whole match. Just a nice, probably perfectly time spot. And you said he got in the collarbone with the back elbow, probably right. Yeah, like he charged Marty in the corner, and Marty threw him through an elbow. It looked stiff, but I mean, maybe it's just maybe it's just them like working a little snug. But it looked it looked great. But I was just like, oh man, I wonder if this I dude just, is hurt. I just remember like the match got a lot of time because of the Shawn Michaels call in interview, and it was funny because they go home right after the <laughs> Shawn Michaels hangs up. So I was trying to figure out where the signal was coming from for you know. I'm, I'm guessing it was the uh, the guy that ringside with them at the desk um, that does all the the timekeepers giving signals and stuff and or you know I'm sure they you know get assigned to the ref ref told the home but it's like it was like boom hung out the phone all right Shawn Michaels and then and then, and then Mario Gennetti hits his finisher and and you could just man man Mario Gennetti just at, on his own it just doesn't have much you know I mean I know he ends up having a great match with Sean. Later in the year, but like just like you see, tell like yeah, splitting them up was probably the best thing to do. Yeah, it's unfortunate too because you know it's not like Marty's not good because Marty's no, good, 
but there's a charisma piece that is just really missing with him and Sean not together. And he looks like, you know, he's still got the rocker stuff on and Sean has moved away from looking like the rockers and he's like got his own thing. Like, I wonder if they would have tried to give him a little bit more of a gimmick than make him look like the guy who got dumped by Shawn Michaels. Like, cause that's literally his story for so long is this is the guy that got dumped by Shawn Michaels and Sean, we're going to let Sean look the part and have this new character and just create this new, this, you know, this sort of like the, the heartthrob of the WWF and Marty is just like, can't get over not being the rockers anymore. And that was like his character. And I, w- I really wonder if they could have done something more with Marty though. I mean, he would have, he would have screwed it up anyways. Cause he, he ended up, you know, doing that often, but you know, what, what, if you had been in that situation and you're like, okay, we're going to split up Sean and Marty. I mean, would you have given Marty like a new look and a little bit of a gimmick? No, I don't think it's worth investing in because he didn't have that any charisma. He just didn't have that. I mean, he was perfect in the tag setting, so maybe you can find a new partner for him and and go that route. But then, like, it's probably not going to be compared to anything that he's done with Sean, so it's always going to be second to that. Like, so, I mean, the only time that he actually had some kind of spark is when him and 1-2-3-Kid won the titles. Tag mm, titles I don't see. I don't even remember that. Yeah, it happened in early 94, um, actually around this time, 94 January. They only had the titles for like a week, and they lost it, I think, at the Royal Rumble or something like that. So um, uh, I probably, because he's, he's still he's just a really good wrestler, I would probably just make him a lower mid-card guy and you know put over the heels coming up kind of situation or put him with guys heels that are not that really, you know, need slumber, maybe more guiding in the ring or something like that. Um, definitely. Uh, but Sean, I mean, Marty, excuse me. Um, I think he holds a record for being fired and rehired by the WWE. So, yeah. And I'm sure he gets fired after this and comes back again. I know and by, and by May. So, um, yeah, I probably, would, I mean, if he was, I probably, like I said, keep him down low on the card. Uh, it's like nice, uh, nice, uh, mid card baby face, guys you know that's that's the spot where i would slot him in uh after this is mean jeans royal rumble report and i mean there's no news to this and there's no but but it you know with mean gene with mean gene passing away uh you know just a couple weeks ago he was so good at at this type of of hype and this this type of promotion because mean gene unlike me was never gonna say uh or so or mm-hmm. you know like he's so crisp and and everything about him you know was just so smooth uh, the the one thing that uh when you're watching like every single show so let's say you're watching raw you're watching superstars and you're watching wrestling challenge you would see this same thing three times over the weekend yeah. so so i you know watching it this one time on raw going like wow i really missed this and then remembering like okay i i remember seeing it like four times every week so um okay so we get to the main event el matador against rick flair there's something weird there's like two weird things about this match um actually maybe even three weird things but <laughs> flair is over like crazy with the live fans they're just like going crazy for everything he does in this match 
Oh yeah, it was in New York, man. That hardcore. That's a hard. That was a hardcore crowd at the uh, Manhattan Center. You know, they're 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 definitely. Uh, it's. T- I think even Vince kind of remarked, make sure mark about it, and yeah, no, that was that was cool, and uh, it was a good, it was a good solid match. So, how many of those fans do you think were actually observer writer or observer readers and knew what was going on? I think I think a ton of those guys were hardcore, go to all the shows, go to all the indies in the area kind of guys, you know. Okay, another thing that's kind of weird when you're watching it is, for whatever reason, Earl Hebner is counting so fast on every every pin. He's just like, and to the point where Vince is like calling him out on it. Like, yeah, he's yeah. literally calling him out for fast counts. Yeah, because like I don't know, he's funny. God, we see this is a, we need to get Tom Caster on this start our show. <laughs> like, no, seriously, man, like Tom. Explain to you, there's different counts for different situations, and uh, there's the the winning count. I mean, it's a certain way to do that. If a heel goes over, a baby face goes over. Um, there's uh, for near falls, of course. There's and and like yeah, right on. Like like, what's 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 Earl on? Like what's what, <laughs> <laughs> what did he have in the uh, punch bowl before the show started? Like he was like slamming that mat. Like <laughs> who knows? But yeah, it, it was it. it it was kind of awkward, and t- it did take away from the match a little bit. You mentioned the the counts for the baby faces winning. I was listening to uh, one of Austin's podcasts. It was probably from a couple months ago. He was going through sort of like uh, he pulled. I think he pulled out like his old briefcase, which had a bunch of old pictures in them. And so he's kind of like just going through the memories of of uh, back in the day. And he said. The Tyson, uh, the 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 match against Shawn Michaels, where he wins the WWE title at WrestleMania 14, he said the only thing, the only qualm he has about that match is Tyson doesn't do the classic championship babyface winning the title three count. He says Tyson doesn't understand the cadence of how that count was mm-hmm. supposed to happen, and that was the only thing that he thought was was maybe not perfect about that moment. And you get that all the time with special guest referees, all the time. And uh, yeah, so not not surprised that happened there with big with big Iron Mike. But uh, um, yeah, I don't remember that. I just, well, I just remember that match. I just remember. I remember, I don't remember that. that now I want to watch that match to see that to see that little moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it's a, it's a big thing. A lot like a lot of people don't respect referees. They don't. They don't. They they think it's just oh they just got there and count threes and there's there. But shush. They have such a huge role. It's such an important role. And I, I'm so into referees because, you know, one of my best friends is a great referee. So, like, when I'm watching these freaking indie shows, I'm like, oh, look at this fucking guy out there. Like, it just, like, totally <laughs> takes – it just totally takes me out of the match. Like, seeing, uh, you know, like, you know, I'm not the – I'm not in, I'm not a great – in shape guy, but like I, I think that the a referee should look like an athlete himself. Like look what's not just like this, you know, just some guy off the street that should be working at freaking Subway. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it just it just bothers me. That's that's just going on a rant. But yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a very important role. And um, and why are why is he counting so damn fast? Like, I, know, gosh, I, wish, I know. I wish we could find the answer to that. I'm just I'm gonna say he was in the punch bowl and. Had a little too much. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so the third thing that was really weird, and I don't even know, it was 
it, they didn't even reference it, so I don't know if it's that noticeable, but early in the match, Vince says something. I think if Vince just goes like, El Matador, and maybe it was the way he said Matador, but Bartlett starts giggling for like 10 seconds, and he doesn't stop. He just keeps laughing. And I wonder if it was just because of the way that Vince said El Matador, but but he just for whatever reason just starts giggling for for a good 10 seconds in a row so after that stuff happens this is a classic rick flair tv match right like the one thing if you're gonna have an issue with this match is this often happened with tito santana is for whatever reason he was kind of a dumb baby face and he hits his uh, he hits his finisher on Rick right in the middle of the ring, and instead of going for the pin, gets up and wants to do it again. Rick is near the ropes, so it's like mm, you're probably not going to be able to hit this move. Tito just literally jumps over the top rope, <laughs> just the like just like the, Jesus Christ, I dude. Know, it was a, it, the, their timing on that was a little off, but yeah, it just it just it it, it looked like he just threw himself over the top rope, it, but took a crazy bump though. Like, I was like, oh my god, that was a great bump though. I mean, shit, he went flying out of the ring. Okay, now Tito Santana's defense. You're right. He hit the big flying forearm. Now that's Tito Santana before El Matador. The flying form of yep. the finisher. Do you remember his finisher as the El Matador? Uh, it was like uh, the guy would be bent over and he'd like hit him with like a punch on the top of the head. It was like yeah, like they're doing the was those spears where they use to kill the the bull, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what it was, right? And I remember being like, when he came to El Matador, and he did that move. I'm like, you literally went from. A great finish for <laughs> Flying Forearm that looks so, so good. To this crappy finish. Like, I remember, like, I, I, I did not like El Mad or Tito Santana. Nope. Didn't like it. I understand why they did it. They're trying to, you know, get some, you know, bring some color, some new life to Tito Santana. But you know what? I like good old white boots, white, white trunks, Tito Santana on the gas. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, you know, it's bummer seeing little, you know, skinnier Tito Santana out there as El Matador, and uh, and uh, I mean, he's still such a great wrestler, but um, yeah, that was, that's why he didn't go for the pin because he has this. But okay, I mean, so okay, on. so wait, wait, wait but so come on, but come on, Tito, <laughs> this is your move for how many damn years? Like, go for the damn pin. Okay, you know what I wanted him to do. I wanted him to put the figure four on because remember mm-hmm. back in the day he used to put the mm-hmm. figure four on. Uh, he didn't do it, but okay. So I, I apologize to Tito. I for, I forgot but, but, that he was setting up for that other move, which was actually his finisher. What should have happened was the flying forearm, but Flair of course bumps closest to the ropes. One, two, foot on the ropes. That's all he should have done. Right? Yeah, to, yeah. To protect Tito from not look like a dipshit. <laughs> because I mean. For the years and years, you know that was his move, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. all right, all right. So yeah, yeah. Th- there was a little bit of weirdness with the end of that match, but um, perfect jumps, uh, perfect uh, interferes in the match, and so uh, all hell breaks loose, and they go to the back, and they're just like fighting all the way to the back, 
And then they come back from commercial and Vince wants to do an interview with Rick and they're fighting coming back through the curtain again. Oh, yeah, and, so and, cool. and like, I don't know, there was a there was a bunch of guys, Sergeant Slaughter, Pat Patterson, a few other guys who were able to pull perfect back so that Flair could do his interview. Which was fantastic because he was just hyping this like it. It, it was a little weird because the uh, I, I don't know if this is necessarily correct, but I always like to see the babyface kind of do that crazy challenge where you know he puts his career on the line, and instead it's Flair, you know, basically saying like you know I'm going to put my career on the line. You and I in this ring next week, winner you know winner stays, loser has to leave WWF. And Flair was so great. He was just like, like Vince is, Vince is like, dude, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. why would you do this? And the reason is, is because he is, uh, he is going to WCW. So he, this is the way, this is his way out. Now, as a booker, okay, this, this is sort of the, this is sort of the play. This is, this is Vince. I think this is Vince, like, Vince is like, his mindset and the way that he puts this stuff together, Vince is like 2007 Tim Lincecum right here. So Vince's competition is WCW. Obviously WCW is not doing very well right now. WWE's not doing well either, but they're doing way better in WCW. So Vince, knowing that Flair is going back to WCW, he gets his guy to beat flair next week we're not 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 like we're spoiling something that happened you know 30 years ago but um he gets his guy to beat who is going to be one of wcw's top guys immediately like when when he starts wrestling He, he he there's a period where he's not really wrestling but like his guy beats wcw's guy to send him to WCW. Like, that was kind of amazing that they were able to do that. Um, I think, well, one, Flair's a class act, right, when it comes to... But it's different from, like, a house show that 10,000 people see, right? Yeah, it's different than the usual where the guy goes and, you know, he's doing the loop around the house shows, losing, right, that no, that no one's going to see other than if you're at the house show, right? But, you know, I think Flair's a class act. You know, he was really good friends with Mr. Perfect. He wanted to leave Mr. Perfect in a better spot, you know, when he left. Um, you know, and also Vince had that deal with Flair. Like, you know, Flair said, if I'm not going to be on top of the card, I would like to be, you know, be able to go and go back to WCW. And, you know, he doesn't want to be a, a heel that's going to be mid-card, right? Yep. So, so and, you know, and Vince kept that, kept that, you know, kept that agreement. So, like, he, I'm sure he wanted to do something big on his way out and uh i would like to see them stretch it i mean i wish they had a little more time with flair at this point i think it would be nice to you know it would have been a nice opener of raw the first episode of raw would be like a flair bret hart match where bret hart beats flair that that would have been cool you know something like that but i mean still i mean this this is this is something. This is cool. I mean, I'm like looking forward to rewatching episode three because, like I said, it, I have a fun little story about that that match. And that's a that's a that's a, that's a, a Robinson I will never forget. Not because they had a great match, that's, you know, but just because of of uh, that night. It was just I was just being. It was, it's memorable for me as my wrestling fandom. So um, 
just a couple of tidbits. Uh, I'm reading, you know, I'm reading through the old observers and a couple of things that are happening at this time. So Razor Ramon is going into this match with Bret Hart uh, with a bum knee. He he was he was injured when he did the the interview in the first show. And so, you know, he's kind of going in there with a bad wheel. Um, Hogan, you know, like we said last week, Hogan is in full sort of like comeback mode. He's talking to, you know, he's in the media. He's talking to these different newspapers and stuff. And here's a Hogan quote. I don't, I don't remember which newspaper this was, but he basically says, they've got a guy named Brett the Hitman Hart, who is champion now. I could beat him with my eyes closed. He couldn't even lace up my boots. <laughs> what a dick. Yeah, but he's angling for a match, too. But, yeah, he's being a dick. But, yeah, he they never they, they never got around to doing that match in WWF. I remember they were promoting it. They had posters, right? They had oh, yeah. graphics. And, oh, yeah. And just Vince went to Hogan didn't want to be beat by Brett, and they gave it back to Yoko, which uh, wasn't a bad move in the end. I think Yoko was a great champ. So the other the other small tidbit is uh, the raw tickets for that show were twelve bucks each. So man, <laughs> so if you wanted to be at the Manhattan Center in nineteen ninety three, you only had to pay twelve bucks. And uh, Big Dave surmised that about six hundred of those thousand fans that were in the in the crowd were were paid. So they couldn't even fill up the stinking. Manhattan Center for twelve bucks a ticket for uh, for Russ. That's how cold they are back then. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit to end this show about the Flair Perfect build up to their match because I was trying to think. I was like, why are they so mad at each other? And then I sort of thought back. I was like, okay, so when Flair comes in at the end of uh, end of ninety one, it's Heenan, and Heenan. Uh, can't go on the road. Uh, he's you know he's a little dinged up. He's got the neck issues. So instead, Mister Perfect is the one who goes on the road with Ric Flair as his advisor. And then we fast forward to the the, the Survivor Series that I was talking about that happened a month and a half before this show, and you have the Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man Randy Savage scheduled to face Ric Flair and Razor Ramon in the main event of that show. What happens is Davey Boy Smith and the Ultimate Warrior both get fired at the same time. Do you even remember what happened here? Um, like when Perfect took the spot? Or like why Warrior and, and, and Bulldog were, were fired? Wasn't over the steroids because they were cracking down on it? And they were, I don't know if they... Use a sample or something. They got busted for something. I think it was steroids, okay. right? So I asked uh, I asked uh, our friend Big Dave about this earlier because I didn't remember myself. And um, I'm pretty sure he told this story. So I, so I think th- I think we're good to go with this one. I think he's already told this to sort of his, you know, his audience. But it was around Warrior beating... Uh, the the steroid tests by using a human growth hormone. Not that he got caught, but 
he was selling it to <laughs> the wrestlers to beat the test, him and Bulldog. Like, so they had their, their growth, and then they were selling it to the guys to beat the test. And, like, holy crap, like, amazing. Like, that's the, you know, this is what's happening in 1993, uh, you know, in in the in the WWE locker room, and you know, and Vince is all about you know steroid testing and and you know we're clean and this and that. So you have that going on in the background, and so he then had to fire a Warrior and Bulldog. So Warrior is is out, and uh, I know you remember this episode of Primetime Wrestling where they're sort of figuring out who's who's going to be Savage's partner, and it's um it's Gorilla and it's Bobby. And is it Roddy and Mr. Perfect also on the stage, on the set? That or Hibbley Jim or something like okay, that. Okay, maybe it was Hibbley Jim. I, I I remembered four people, but I couldn't remember if it was Roddy or not. And so Heenan is uh, – and so actually, if you, 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 can, you can go backwards a little bit, which is they have a Saturday night's main event, and they do the angle where um, – you know, Warrior and Savage get jumped and, you know, they're setting up Survivor Series. And then at the end of the show, Heenan's like, oh, by the way, I'm hearing something about the main event for this show. And then they go off. So, like, they leave off at, like, a cliffhanger on Saturday night's main event. So, heading, you know, so then they do that whole angle on Monday Night Raw where Mr. Perfect is the one who who becomes the replacement for, for the ultimate warrior. And then, uh, Heenan gets really angry. Uh, they do the match at survivor series. That match is not good. By the way, I rewatched it before, before we were going to do this show. Cause I could, I didn't really <laughs> remember it and it's not very good. It, it's not, it's not, it's not, you know, it's all about savage selling, selling, selling razors really bad in that match. Um, and you know, perfect is, this is really his first back match in a couple years or, or however long it was. And, you know, he was okay, but it ends in a DQ. And so nothing really happens. Kind of a, kind of a disappointment. And so from survivor series to raw, I don't really remember what happens during that point. Was there anything else that they did flare and perfect as far as why they hate each other so much? No, that was about it. It was just that he turned and. You know, Team to Savage. I remember when I, I I remember watching that episode, and I was completely confused. Yeah, yeah, it was so like, weird. Like when it happened, I was like, "What? Like why? Like and like I didn't like." And he's like, his explanation wasn't even that good. Why he's turning on? I'm back. I'm you know, it's just not the perfect partner. You know, Savage. Yeah. Just yep. it was. That was that was funky. That was funky, and um, you know, I don't think in perfect never. Never really. I mean, he's never the same, obviously, but he's just never really comfortable in that babyface role. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So, so that's kind of the, that's kind of the back uh, the backstory to that match, and it's going to be Flair and uh, and Perfect on episode three of Monday Night Raw, which is actually a taped show. I think they taped both episodes on uh, on that night right because they, yes. they so 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 flair cuts a promo for the live crowd about next week we're gonna do this match and then they actually have that match that night yes 
Yeah, and also Repo Man versus Macho Man. And Repo versus Macho. So <laughs> very much looking forward to that Monday Night Raw. I think I'm going to zip through the Royal Rumble as well just to just to kind of, you know, it's kind of fun to watch things in in the uh, the order that they that they were shown live. I, I, I kind of want to see uh, I kind of want to watch the superstars of wrestling just to see how they you know, how they continue to promote those those angles. But I don't know if 93 superstars is on the network. No, it was just IET right now, right? Starting in April or something like that, I heard. Yeah, so so that's not up. But anyways, um, I'll, I'll probably zip through the Rumble, and then uh, and then next week we'll have episode three of Monday Night Raw. So far, been been pretty fun to go back and watch that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to next episode. Uh, yeah, Superstar. I'm gonna rewatch. Rumble, not the Rumble match because that match is not that good. Yeah, I don't remember being very good at all. I just remember being no. really upset after that match was over. I mean, it's it's the first like what is it ten or entrance is good because you have the flare flare perfect stuff is fun, and then you get the Giant Gonzalez debut, <laughs> and then after that it is just like slow go like from on, then on but you know the the finish of savage and yoko i thought was really entertaining other than savage first you know he's talking about dumb baby face dumb moments. baby face like trying to go for the pin on yoko and him kicking out and like i don't who came up with that finish <laughs> was it pat pat patterson uh, um, pat's the king of finishes but if that was one of them holy shit I know, I know. It's really bad. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, so yeah. So next week we'll have all that stuff, and you know, um, there's so much stuff happening in wrestling. It's it's like even hard to predict what's going to happen next. But uh, I've been told that uh, the uh, Almas match, which I guess he's now he's now not Andrade Cien Almas. He's literally just Andrade. I heard the Andrade match with Rey Mysterio is like over a four star match. So uh, if you if you haven't watched SmackDown, uh, I've been told to watch that match. So I'm going to watch that match because I, I love both guys. So Andrade and Mysterio. That's the that that's uh, that that's sort of my homework for this weekend. In addition to uh, all the other stuff that we're going to talk Ooh. about next week. What is WWE's fascination with just shortening guys' names to like one one name? I think it's Vince just thinks it's easier to hit to hit on things that are short and sweet when you're doing the marketing. Uh, and, and so uh, not to say that his audience is dumb, but it's just easier to get things in your mind if they're short and simple. Like That's my thought. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I mean, it could be something completely different. Maybe maybe the uh, the Almas or the CN or whatever he thought was just you know, too ethnic. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know what it is, but I just think, you know, that it's the same thing with, um, Big E, right? Like he, he, at one point his name was so much longer and then they just, they just changed it. Yeah. Cesaro, so, etc. cetera. So. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, man, I think, I think we're done. Was there anything else you wanted to bring up before we go off? No, no. Uh, well, my daughter had her first day of, uh, Ballet, uh, ballet dance. So that was entertaining as hell. Wait, so did the whole? So you said the whole family was gonna go? Uh, well, surprisingly, the the whole Laraca, Martirano family did not show up. It was just my wife and I. Um, 
and it's kind of stressful because you're only there for you can only be there for ten minutes and then you have to leave. So how'd she do when you guys left? Uh, she did. I mean, I was peeking through the door. <laughs> <laughs> we were outside the door for a while until it got too cold and we went in the car. But I peeked through and she was she was doing all right. And she said she cried and she missed us. But I don't know. When I looked in, I didn't see her crying, so I don't know what she's talking about. This, I, I think sometimes my wife goes, "Oh, did you cry?" And she says, "Yeah." You know what I mean? Like yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, she, she was she was just happy to be around other a little kids, you know, and excited about that. So it was kind of funny because they lined the girls up in the line, and she starts off on the right side, but then decides to jump over. Like she was talking to this one girl who was brilliant because of pain danger. Then she just gets up and goes to the other side of the line and starts talking to another girl, and like they're like <laughs> the same same girl because they're like just getting each other distracted, not listening to the teacher. So that's kind of <laughs> fun. That's so they're doing funny. stretches and Chloe's like half doing them and she's doing right away she's like did a stretch like exactly the teacher did but then she kept kind of like getting distracted I'm like oh man social butterfly yeah so uh, but she was excited and had a good time and she's uh, can't wait to go back but it's every Monday unfortunately this Monday you know, this Monday's a holiday so she has to wait a little extra week so oh so not doing it on Monday yeah got it. All right. Well, uh, you'll have to keep us uh, keep us up to date with how she's doing and uh, if she's going to become like the uh, either the next great dancer or she's just going to. Oh, wait, well, actually, have you seen the uh, the gymnastics video that kind of went viral over the weekend? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. That's like craziness right there. But I don't know. I feel I feel I kind of feel like putting your kid in gymnastics is a little bit of torture as well um they offer a gymnastic class at actually the same time as the ballet so we always talk about putting her dance because she loves music and and dancing so we're like we couldn't pass it up so all right start off in that first all right man so we'll be back next week for raw episode three and you know there'll be tons of other stuff to talk about there's also like a fun bellator show uh in addition to the royal uh royal rumble weekend like so next week is literally like Royal Rumble, uh, TakeOver, and there's a Bellator show with Fedor against um, Ryan Bader. Ryan Bader, And then I think uh, Pico's fighting on that show too. So there's going to be tons of stuff for us to preview and and talk about. But I just have a feeling that all these wrestling signings uh, are going to continue to happen. So that'll probably be at the top of our minds when when we come back next week. Oh, yeah, that's okay. It's going to be Wild Wild West out there, man. It's going to be a lot, lot to talk about. I know. No kidding. All right. So uh, for John LaRocca, I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.